You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's world. What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. And as always, I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful week so far. So as you can probably tell, um, my voice is another octave lower. It's still a little scratchy, which means that I am still getting over whatever the hell I'm getting over, whatever this cold viral cold infection i don't know um i thought i was getting better and then then i realized that i was not <laughs> so i know last week on the show um i might have been sniffling as well too i don't remember i know i wasn't feeling well and i believe that i might i might have went into a whole explanation as to why i was not feeling well but as the week was progressing, I thought I was doing better. I was telling people I was doing better. I felt like I was doing better. But you know, here's the danger of thinking you're doing better, right? And I guess not necessarily being 100% is that you start acting as somebody who is at 100%. So I was out here doing team too much. I think I might have went to this meeting, that meeting, um, then, you know, on Friday, my homeboy, Jeff Lindor, shout out to the gentleman's factory, had an amazing rooftop mixer, you know, and the thing is, my gut told me, mm, Rita, you might want to sit this one out. You got, you know, you, you came, you came to work in a decent outfit that can serve both purposes, rooftop mixer <laughs> and work. My neck was all exposed, but I'm like, oh, I feel better. This thing is gone. So you know, despite my gut saying you might want to sit your ass at home, um, I went anyways. And I went, though, because of the peer pressure. Jeff literally was texting me talking about you better make sure that your ass is there. So I went. And although I had a great time, I had a great time hanging out with my friends that were there, you know, just being able to see, you know, the expansion again of the Gentleman's Factory. Um, I was happy to have been there. However, my body, my immune system was not happy <laughs> that I was there because as soon as I got home, I started feeling actually even before I got home, I was still out when the percolation was happening in my throat, the tingling, if you will. And then when I got home, it was a rap.com like it was, you know, I started feeling hot and cold. And then the next morning, it was even more of a wrap. I was definitely my not left nostril, right nostril percolate in my throat was done. My body was I felt the sinus pressure. I got sick all over again. And then the thing, though, was that I had to wake up early, bring my son to the church because he had to perform then later that day, I had the golfing event in which we already rescheduled. There was no way that I couldn't show up. So I showed up for the golfing um, event that Freedom Women NYC was hosting 
with All Access Golf. So again, I was out here in these streets. This time I brought a scarf, but it wasn't enough. Um, so then I had to come home and do the Haitian remedy of, you know, the touffe as we call it. So basically getting all up in sweatpants and long sleeve shirts and hats and socks and whatnot and just trying to sweat this thing out just so that on Sunday I could be out in these streets again because it was one of my friend's birthdays and I had to, I, I mean, you just can't not go <laughs> to the birthday get together. Although my body once again was side eyeing me. Anyways, long story short, all of that is to explain why my my voice is one octave <laughs> lower. Um, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, when you know better, you're supposed to do better. And I knew that I should have just declined everything and stayed home just so that I could feel better get and get to the 100% dial and not like the 95 or the 90 or the 85 dial. But I mean, it's like, what are you supposed to do in these streets? You know, <laughs> the, like the world, like, I don't know. I don't know. My lack of self-care is why my voice is an octave lower today and a little scratchy. So I apologize in advance if my voice is bothering you. Either way, today we have an amazing guest on the show by the name of Dr. Stacia Nicholson. Dr. Stacia, or I know her as Stacia. I went to St. John's with her. Um, she is um, a scientist. So she's not an MD doctor. She's a PhD doctor in the sciences. So she is a scientist. And I emphasize that because I honestly really don't know many scientists. I don't I don't actually know if I know anyone that that is truly a scientist. You know, people like to call themselves scientists all the time. But in terms of like a real scientist like Bill Nye, the science guy, <laughs> I, I think she might be the only one that I know. So we're going to have Dr. Stacia Nicholson um, on the show who's going to talk about um, her life as a scientist, her journey to being a scientist, and some of the frustrations that people in the science community face when dealing with what she calls general population, which is, i.e., you and I who are not scientists, um, and some of the challenges that she also faces as a woman of color Um in the field of science, because oftentimes on this show, we talk about the challenges faced by women of color in the workplace. But the workplace settings we often address are like the office office space. Like we're talking about corporate spaces. We're talking about governmental offices. But we're not really talking about like the lab. Right. Like what what even is the lab? And oftentimes when we think about um, individuals who work in labs, we think you know, about, um, I don't know, in my mind, I think about just, you know, somebody who's working in solitude, you don't really have any coworkers, it's you in the microscope, it's you in the cells. And so it's like, well, what kind of challenges could you really be facing with coworkers and with, you know, um, staff, because in, in, in a lot of times, when we see labs, and we see people who portray scientists, on TV or whatever the case is, we it's always just that one individual in the lab. Like it's all they're always like to themselves. And so um I think it you know was really great to have her on just to talk about 
um, you know, women of color, particularly her experience being a woman of color, just going through the PhD program, some of the discrimination, you know, she she faced, you know, even if it was under the table and not necessarily as uh, overt. Um, but I think it's definitely important to talk about different aspects of the workplace as we all have different backgrounds. We're not all, you know, attorneys. We're not all social workers. We're not all teachers. Um, but some of us are literally scientists. You know, we are on the cutting, uh, cutting edge of new technologies, new cures and whatnot. So for those of you out here listening who are in the science fields or who are interested in being a scientist or something scientist-esque, um, definitely keep it locked. Tune in um, to hear about Dr. Stacey and Nicholson's journey and all about a website um, she developed, um, I think a couple of years ago, called Alicot the Science Spot, which is a website where she talks about um, different, you know, current science, current science issues, um, and you know, just different issues within the sciences, actually explained by a real scientist. You know, oftentimes, and I think I might be guilty of this as well too. We see these articles that pop up on um, social media, for the most part, Facebook, and. You know, it's 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 talking about something scientific, whether it be genomes, whether it be, um, you know, vaccinations and whatnot. And it spreads like wildfire. But nobody really knows the origin of these articles. And a lot of times these articles are actually pretty false. <laughs> it's fake news. But, you know, we're not scientists. We don't really know. And because we might have an opinion of, you know, of this particular area, i.e., um, immunizations. A lot of people have very strong opinions about it. And you find an article that kind of supports your opinion, it becomes fact, and you're spreading it all over the place. And so that's how a lot of like, scientific fake news gets spread. Ironically enough, our community is really into science and and breakthroughs and whatnot. Because these are like, I would say, aside from like, you know, gossip and hip hop, news the second most at least on my feed um shared you know article types are are within you know the scientific realm so either way <laughs> either way definitely again keep it locked to hear all about stacy nicholson um dr stacy nicholson phd um who you know is you know based in in Brooklyn, New York. And so she's, again, a woman of color within our demographic, just talking about her experience and talking about what it means to be a scientist. But before we get into the meat of the show, I wanted to share my highlight of the week. And so this week's highlight of the week um, for me is, is a financial goal. So I am... I am slowly and surely trying to get on this FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement. One, because I hate seeing debt. It's just one of those things that I don't like to see. Although, with the amount of money I own student loans, I don't know. Um, I have to put that debt aside and just act like I don't see it. Maybe the, maybe the Lord will take care of it in some way. Maybe there'll be a hacking of some sort <laughs> that will erase my, my uh, you know, Sally May Navy in account. 
but that's wishful thinking for now. But in terms of like, you know, my personal debt and then also just making sure that I have enough money in my savings, you know, whether it be to purchase a home at some point, whether it be to, you know, invest in a business. So I, I'm, you know, I've been doing my best to pay bills, but also save money um, at the same time. And the retire early part is because the more and more that I push through these corporate streets, the more and more I push through working for the man, I realize that I don't like working for the man. I don't like being on schedules unless it's my own schedules. And it could be a Sagittarian thing. It could be, I don't know, a strong black woman thing. I really don't know. But the urge for me to be on my own and to do my own thing is very, very strong. Like I want to be, I'm not afraid of hard work, but I want to be working while I am sitting on the beach. I want to be able to travel while working at times. Like I want to be able to, mm, today's an 11 o'clock start as opposed to a nine o'clock start. So I am trying to figure out different ways to really ramp up my fire movement. And so this week, my highlight was the fact that some of my financial goals were met. I was able to bring down some of my credit card debt because yes, I have it. I'm not going to say it like I don't bring down some of my credit card debt to a level in which I was very satisfied. You know, I have this little algorithm that I'm that I've put together to pay down, you know, credit cards and raise my credit scores, and I am happy to report that this week I have reached a milestone. And so I think for me that's a highlight because it's showing that you know, I'm actually putting work into this goal and I am seeing returns on my effort that will set me up, you know, for a better position come 2020. So that is the highlight of my week. So without further ado, the meat of the show. All right, everyone, I'm here with my very special guest, Dr. Stacia Nicholson. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> so this is the first, as we were talking offline, I'm like, wait, I got to say doctor, because you just got your PhD. Yes, Congratulations. I did. So for those of you who have no idea who Dr. Stacia Nicholson is, um, Stacia and I went to college together, St. John's. Yep. Big up to St. John's University. Um, and we met... I don't know if it was freshman year, sophomore year, but we met through our friend Pranava. I think that's how I met you through Pranava. Was it? Because you guys were because you guys were both science yeah. people. Um, yeah, I think she was bio. And yeah. I was toxicology. I think that's how I met you actually, was through Pranava. So it had to have been like freshman or sophomore year. Um and then ever since then, like we've uh, stayed in contact. Yeah. You know, social media is good for one thing. It does keep you, you know, involved. But then we found out we have another mutual friend. Right. <laughs> so I was like, wait, I remember I went there. I was like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I'm really happy that you're able to come on the show. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about, and I was telling you even before getting on that, I think you're the you're the first guest in the sciences that I've had on the show like I mean, I had a friend I think who actually was a nurse who talked about like nursing a little okay. bit but in terms of like you know a scientist like a right. whole scientist yeah because my, my dad <laughs> and my sister are actually nurses my dad's RN and my sister was an RN but now she's a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. um so but yeah it's it's still quite different because I remember when I um started my PhD program and she had started 
the masters mm-hmm. to get you know move from RN to nurse practitioner, and she would come and be like, "Oh, like I have to do this. What, what do you have to do?" I'm like, "Dude, we're we're not doing anything at all similar. Like my criteria <laughs> and your criteria are like not at all." at all identical so yeah it's you know it gets tough because people say like, they're like oh like i know a doctor or i know a, a nurse or you know someone else you know doing something even like a lab tech or something and it's like it's kind of similar but not really yeah and it's interesting because when i used to because see you post certain things on mm-hmm. um like facebook with the being in the lab yeah. and in my mind i'm still thinking oh like some sort of like maybe lab tech like mm-hmm. i still didn't really grasp it until maybe it could have been like it was i don't remember what the post was i'm like wait this is a science like a scientist yeah. lab not yeah. like you know a, a medical lab right like and i used downstate. to tell people that thing all the time because that's what would happen so i like i did an msbs program when i was in st john's so mm-hmm. i actually completed my master's at 24 okay and i started working at a pharmaceutical company in drug discovery mm-hmm. and people would always just like be like, you know, you'd be like, oh, what do you do? And they'd be like, oh, like a lab tech. And you're like, no, I'm like, I, I, no disrespect to any lab techs. They're very necessary in the labs, but it's not the same. And I'm like, you know, I don't just process some urine or some blood or whatever have you and then just go on with my life. Like, mm-hmm. it's completely different. So, you know, it was very difficult getting people to kind of understand. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I launched my website and Instagram for it, which is Aliquot the Science Spot, just to give people an inside look on what actually goes on in a lab and what scientists actually do, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of confusion. And I remember even, you know, like the company I used to work for got bought out. And, you know, so I was saying to friends, like, oh my goodness, like, you know, I'm going to apply for, you know, other jobs, but you know, most things are not here in New York. Like, so you have like uh, the triangle in like North Carolina mm-hmm. area, they kind of call it science triangle is big for research. And then you have farmers really big in California, like from South California area, maybe up to probably San Francisco, but you know, science is really big over there in terms of pharma. And then over here, maybe you have some parts of uh, Jersey mm-hmm. and then further up, like towards New England side, yeah. they'll have <laughs> some places there like in Cambridge, but they're, it's really far and wide. So um, I was like, oh man, you know, I might have to move out of state, you know, you know, there's not so many things here. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, there's so much stuff. My aunt's like, you know, there's, there's something in her hospital. And, I'm like, and you know, and I already know it in my head. They're thinking lab tech. And I'm like, no, like, that's not what I do. And they're like, no, let's give me your resume. So sure enough, you know, I had a cousin, she's actually, and she's a lab generalist. And so I forward, I forwarded, you know, my resume to these people. And the next thing you're like, yeah, so like, you got the resume. Like, I haven't heard anything from you. Oh yeah, uh, um, you know, and they, suddenly they realize like, oh crap, like this person wasn't doing what I thought they were doing, even though I'm telling them what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's like I would tell people and like people didn't believe, like people would look at me like I was just like putting a special fancy name on what I did. But you know, it's, it's, you know, to go on with that though, it's like, how many people do you know? especially in our age that are saying that, listen, I'm a scientist. Like it's kind of like something that, you know, when you were a kid, you said, Oh yeah, I'm a scientist. But it's kind of like, like after Bill Nye, the science, right. Right. You never hear anybody talk about it. That's what it was like. So it was like, it was very frustrating in the beginning. So again, so I was like, you know what? Let me just like launch something and start putting out information so people can also see what a scientist looks like. Cause people, you know, they would see me, you know, I'd meet, 
friends at social events and you know it's a gathering of people and you know everybody we standing in a circle and someone come over like oh wow and the first assumption like and i don't understand why people make assumptions because i i kind of let people tell me who they are reveal mm-hmm. who they are i don't just walk into a room and assume oh he and she or you know they must be doing this or that career or field or whatever have you and you know they'd be like oh my goodness like you must be a singer you must be into fashion like you and well like, you're i mean i mean <laughs> to know? their credit though you are a bit of a fashionista i mean but still <laughs> you know and it's just like you must model and it's like oh, i'm only five three and it's like, <laughs> you know and then people be like oh so then like what do you do and then i tell them and then all of a sudden it's like they can't see you. The conversation's done. They're, they're like looking at you like you, you they, they didn't, they, like what? Like, what did she just say? No, like this, this person, either she's lying, like whatever. And it would just be very frustrating. So I kind of started just like saying to myself, like, no, I need to like put forth an image somewhere so people could understand that. Mm. No, like this, a scientist is not, like, what's the stereotype, you know? Because people would be like, oh, like glasses. I wear glasses. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, it's like I'd have glasses on and people would be like, oh, those are for fashion. I'm like, no, dude, these are prescription. Like, <laughs> like how come I have glasses on? But it's like, it's some, I'm wearing plaid pants right now. Yeah. And like, I wear a lot of plaid, you mm-hmm. know? Like, that's a stereotypically nerdy thing. But somehow my plaid pants are fashionable. And it's just like... It's just like it still doesn't give you the credibility. Right. It's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So I'm sitting here like, this is crazy. But I think what it is, because, you know, people would say like, oh, you know, like, you're the only scientist I know. And for me, it would, or even in terms of the PhD, they'd be like, oh, you're the only person I know, like, in science doing a PhD. Like, you know, I have, like, one other friend that did a PhD, but it's in, like, you know, some other field, like English, or maybe uh, they did some social work or something like that. And they'd be like, but I don't know like anybody doing like a PhD in science, like, you know? And for me, it was weird because obviously because that's what I'm in, I know other people, mm-hmm. like a lot of other people. So it's just like, wait, huh? Like, but then I was like, okay, I get it. But it's just it's just very frustrating. Really weird. So with respect to science, because again, mm-hmm. it is something that, you know, people will say, yeah, I love to take science classes mm-hmm. when I was in school. But what made you decide that as your profession like how did you get so, into the whole role of being a scientist okay so my high school had majors i went to murray bertram high school in manhattan and i don't know how it is now because you know, all these schools are kind of not the same but they had majors at the time and i was a computer science major and we learned everything c plus plus you know at the time q basic you know all these different programs html mm-hmm. linux blah 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 all this stuff so Naturally, I enrolled, you know, when I was applying for college, you know, I was applying under the banner of, you know, computer science. So I got accepted at St. John's for computer science. But sometime over the summer, I started getting this really strong, nagging feeling that was like, you know, I don't think, you know, this is what you, you know, I want to do. And something kept saying, like, just science, like, based, you know, like, like science, science, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like, huh? Like, it was weird. So I'm just like, you know, whatever, whatever. So school starts up. I lived on campus. So, you know, we move in the couple, like the week before school starts. And I'm, you know, this thing's nagging at me. Then finally classes start. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go to these classes. Like, this is crazy. So I go and I sit in like one class and they start talking about basic stuff. Basic. Zeros and ones. What's a modem? And I said, oh, hell no. I'm like, this is like stuff I learned freshman year of high school. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting at St. John's paying St. John's money. Yeah. And we all know what that looks I'm, like. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, nah, this is ignorance. So that very afternoon I got up and I went to my advisor and I was like, look, I need to change my classes. Like, I don't want to do this. Um, I, and she's like, Oh, what are you going to do? Like, you know, do you want to do pharmacy? I'm like, no, 
I knew I didn't want to do pharmacy. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I don't want to be dispensing drugs. I want to be the person behind the scenes making drugs. Mm-hmm. And she's just like looking at me like, what? Like, what are you, t-? you know, like this is crazy. She keeps going on. I'm like, why do you want to change your major? Like, you know, like you can't get into the pharmacy program because you have to enroll. And I'm like, dude, I just like told you I didn't want to do pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Like, this, I think this lady eventually got fired. Like she was screwing up a lot of people. <laughs> and, no, it was really ridiculous. And, um, so she changed my classes after much carrying on back and forth. Like, you know, your parents making you do this? Like, cause you know, a lot of people's parents, you know, and they kind of just force them to like become like in the sciences. And I'm just like, OMG, like, mm-hmm. I really can't stand people sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to communicate. And, and I think that somehow like leads back to how it was I even ended up in science because it's just like a different way of thinking. And I think like it just blended with the way I already think, the way Mm -hmm. my mind already functions. So it was easy for me. Mm -hmm. And so eventually, you know, I started taking some classes and then I met with the assistant dean of, you know, the college, you know, at St. John's where all the science goes on. And, you know, he started telling me about toxicology and it was great because, it encompassed all the sciences. So you had mm-hmm. chemistry minor. It was pre-med toxicology. You had to take bio, physics, every science. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, so if I don't know exactly what science I want to be, because, you know, I don't know if I want to be biologist, chemist, know mm-hmm. exactly what. I'm like, at least this way I can get everything and then figure out from there. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, toxicology of itself is its own field. So I kind of ended up sticking with that. And um, so, you know, the classes you have to take, a lot of them have practicals. So there's a lab as well as a lecture. So I found that I was actually always really good at the lab work. Mm-hmm. And like everyone else would be like, oh, I hate the labs. Like, oh, it's so hard. I used it's to remember the, the students on campus complaining <laughs> yeah. about labs. And I, I, I liked the labs and they were never hard. Like I'd be the first one in and like organic chem setting up my apparatus done boom out you know and like people are struggling and i'm like what's so hard you know (laughs) and then i started volunteering in one of the professor's labs on campus because you know i joined the tox club and they you know the older students started saying like you know like you really need to get experience you know learn how to like work in a lab you know there's not a lot of internships for this stuff Mm -hmm. you know so they're like you know one of the things you can do is ask to work with one of the professors on campus in their lab so i was like oh that makes sense so there was a new professor that came at the time and i had him for like two classes so one day i just went to him like after class which was so crazy because i used to fall asleep in all my classes (laughs) but um you know here i am still bold hey yeah after all stretching <laughs> like I wasn't sleeping the whole class can I work in your lab and he's like yeah you know actually yeah you know and he's like come along so I started going there and because he was new you know he had more time and he was you know eager and you mm-hmm. know so he really taught me one like directly one on one I would work with him and he taught me like the basics everything like I really appreciated that time and um so yeah and then the same thing i just noticed i'd pick things up really well like it was you just start realizing like you know your gift talents and abilities like when you see something matches with your natural innate talent mm-hmm. and your interests like that's it you know you don't need to go looking any further like just stop right there so that was kind of how everything kind of played out and then from there yeah it just kind of continued you know so by the time i got to like my senior year i'm like hey i remember you guys were talking about this msbs thing like what was the rest of the information you know <laughs> like <laughs> then the guy's like oh, okay yeah because um i wouldn't have had enough credits second semester to be full-time because i had taken like everything already you know like i used to take like 17 18 19 i remember mm-hmm. once i had 21 credits one semester i was taking it was insane like that's nothing and um so yeah so i started taking master's classes my senior year and then 
the following year, I completed everything in the summer, actually, because there was one class I had to drop and retake. And so that kind of pushed it back to the summer. And then, yeah, and then a couple of months after that, like maybe three months after that, I got a job. Oh, in between bachelor's and master's, I actually did do an internship mm-hmm. at a pharmaceutical company. And then um, afterwards, you know, after I finished my master's, I actually ended up going back to work for that company. It wasn't planned that way, just happenstance. Um, and yeah, and then kind of went from there. Then, like I said, that company got bought out and, you know, things weren't looking good. And I was like applying for jobs, applying for PhD programs. And, um, you know, I was like, whichever one pans out first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so same thing. I wasn't planning to return to St. John's either, but somehow that's how it panned out. And I'm just like, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but at, at some point you ended up doing the, so was it at St. John's that you got the PhD? Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, yeah, so enrolled back at St. John's. And um, so, yeah, when I came back, you know, I met with the graduate advisor and it was a whole long story. I even ended up back there. We don't have time. But <laughs> she was just like, um, you know, you're very advanced because seeing that I did my master's there in the same field, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same courses. Yeah. So I already had 35 out of the 45 necessary credits for coursework. And then in addition to that, you have to pass a comprehensive exam. Um, which a lot of people dread. It's like, you know, if you don't pass this thing, it doesn't matter if you pass every class, you're, you're out mm-hmm. of the program. And then other than that, everything is research. So that was the thing about it that people kind of didn't get. They just thought like, you know, like it's more undergrad, like you just take these courses and go home and people were like, oh, like what's taking you so long? Like, why are you there all the time? Like, oh, you don't work. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, like I'm in a lab like 12 hours a day, five to seven days a week. I don't work. <laughs> like you know but what I'm that saying was part of the coursework yeah. that you had to do to so get the right PhD. because like your research is what dictates if you get out because yeah. same thing even if you finish all your coursework and pass your comprehensive exam if your research does not pan out you're not going anywhere you're not mm-hmm. graduating so it would be really irritating when people be like oh like when are you gonna be done like I always tell people that's the worst thing you could ever ask anybody in the science that's in a PhD program when they're gonna be done because the research dictates when you're done. Mm-hmm. So it's like I had already completed coursework by after like the first year and a half and was doing research from till out. And people would be like, you know, summer break would come, winter break. Oh my God, you're so lucky. Like it's summer. You could just like relax. I'm like, what? I'm in the lab. <laughs> I'm in this lab like every day in the summer. Every day, like literally you go inside that school and there was people in there on Thanksgiving, day after Christmas, mm-hmm. we're all in there in the sub-basement, you know, imaging cells and, you know, day after New Year's. And this is how it went. And so it was just like, it used to just be so frustrating because, you know, people <laughs> just thought it was like this walk in the park. Like, you, oh, you're so lucky. You have it so easy. Oh, you don't have any courses left? Like, that's so great. Like, yeah, no, it's not great when, like, you set up an experiment for a week and then some catastrophe happens, like the instrument you need to use to analyze the, the the experiment is broken or you can't access the room or, you know, some other foolishness mm-hmm. goes on, which used to happen quite a lot. It, it's not cool. <laughs> now, the question I do have, though, and um, I know we touched on it a little bit beforehand. Is so you talk about the lab a lot. You're in the lab. Mm-hmm. You talk about analyzing cells. And so whenever I think about somebody in the sciences or a scientist, I always see them necessarily working, you know, solo, right? They're working by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking behind in, in, in the microscope. They're mm-hmm. analyzing. And it's, it seems like more of a solitary type of environment. Now, how 
what does your work setting look like? So, yeah, to a degree. So it depends what kind, what lab you're in. So, like, certain, you know, some labs have more or less people. Mm-hmm. On average, I would say it's probably about five people or so. But, you know, some labs had more, some had mm-hmm. less. Uh, at the time, it was only myself and another guy. So it was very isolating. But generally, you'll have, like, especially in, like, big labs, like, you know, some of these bigger research institutes in Manhattan and so forth, they'll have, they'll have like a lab tech, mm-hmm. a lab manager. So like, right, the lab techs will you know, do like the simple things, you know, pour, you know, buffer, make buffers or solutions, um, do, you know, like maybe sample collection for the scientists or so forth, you know, but, you know, more routine kind of tests maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every lab will have a tech. It depends on what kind of funding they have. Mm-hmm. Um but usually there'll be a lab manager, which that person will be responsible for like ordering supplies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have a couple of scientists. So you'll probably have like someone that's a postdoc, um, you know, a scientist that's past their postdoc and, you know, a couple of graduate students, you know, PhD students. So it will be like a composition like that. And then you'll have the principal investigator, which usually people call PI or they'll just refer okay. to as their mentor depending on the institution you're at. So it varies. At St. John's, it, you know, the labs are much smaller. Um, you know, you're not required to have funding, like mm-hmm. grants from outside at St. John's, the professors. So the school will provide a certain amount of money. So not every professor had additional funding. So there wouldn't be any lab tech per se or any lab manager. Like mm-hmm. when I was there, I was all those positions, mm. you know? And so that was like the next thing when people were like, oh, like, what do you do? You don't do anything. Like, oh, you're so lucky. It's like, okay. Like I'm literally managing an entire lab. I had set up an entire cell culture, tissue culture room that didn't exist prior to me joining that lab. And, you know, people are telling you crazy things and um, you're taking out biological waste. Like, you know, you're not doing all this stuff. And in addition to just your, you know, you didn't even do your research, Mm -hmm. your actual research. And so, you know, once your research is completed, you know, you still have to publish it. Mm -hmm. So you have to write it up into a whole paper and submit it to different journals and hope that, you know, the reviewers don't hate you and tear mm-hmm. your research apart and try to get that published. You know, there's sometimes people, you know, it comes back rejected and might come back with revisions. Sometimes it might get accepted right off, but most times not so. Um, people have been known to years go by before they get something published sometimes. So it's very daunting in that way. But so that's why I say like, yeah, you definitely have to have like the passion for it and the drive. Like I would never tell anybody to just go into science, like become a research scientist, just, you know, just be able to say, you know, like, oh, this is like, no, you will lose your mind. You, I mean, all of us, I think, lose a little bit of our mind anyway. And I think that's how we kind of get to the mad Mm -hmm. scientist thing that people talk about. (laughs) And I feel like there was like third year or so in, I was sitting there like, oh man, I see now how it happens. Like you kind of see how you, you, you would, someone would become like a recluse and a little weird and, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Because from being in the lab so much, I had to kind of like force myself to like come out. And go out. And it wasn't like I was trying to not go out, but it's like, you lose people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people who, you know, they don't understand what you're doing. They they feel some kind of way. And next, you know, you never had any argument. They're not dead, you, but they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, because, you know, you're spending, like you said, hours and hours in the lab. Yeah. And people, sometimes people don't understand that, you know, that's what your career right. choice, um, you know, those, right. those are the elements of that. Yeah. So then, like, people would, like, you know, just not invite you out or just you know, just 
not they just don't want to be around you you mm-hmm. know people talk oh like i feel intimidated around you like what like i'm over here struggling and i'm eating this cup of noodles like <laughs> you know people just like hear scientists and they think like you're a millionaire or something like i don't get it um it's weird and um but yeah so it's just like you don't really have a lot of people to hang out with like that and um so when i did get out you know i started realizing like, oh man like you do start to get a little bit socially weird because mm-hmm. i think like being in there you know, you're around people who think the same as you, you know, people who analyze things in, in a logical kind of way and in a certain type of way, people who think and talk about certain things. And that's not necessarily the case in general population. So then you kind of get out there and then it's like, all right, like I have to explain things a little bit differently or I have to like maybe not talk about that or this or. So you're a little more, more technical when you're among your peers um because that's kind of what yeah i don't even know really required, how to right? right i don't really even know how to explain it because it's like certain things like you'll just talk about and people get it and then like i feel like i talk to some other people outside and it's like stuff that you think you're saying straightforward they're not understanding or they're misunderstanding what you're mm-hmm. saying and then you're sitting there like but this was like straightforward what i said so like i'm not really <laughs> understanding and you're like sitting there like i don't know how to simplify this or say this in a different way or like i don't know it was, it was just weird like it's just like a completely different kind of way of thinking i, I can't explain yeah, it. it's like the whole left brain right brain maybe thing almost. yeah yeah maybe and it, that kind of makes sense um so yeah because I, I find like i would be able to communicate very well with people who were creatives Mm-hmm. So like people in music or art or because there's a level of technicality right. to what they and there's do. a certain kind of way you think and you see things in like a objective and mm-hmm. not necessarily a subjective way and yeah. I think most people see things from a subjective part of view so it's like you're talking about something and people are taking things personal and you're sitting there like yo dude like <laughs> <laughs> like, this, like what like it's just it just goes left so quickly and then it's, it's like you don't even know like what the problem is really and um yeah so it was just, it's just weird but yeah like you and you kind of become um b- more blunt okay yeah and I, I think that's definitely i don't know why that happens but i think it comes from a it's point because you're of, matter of fact as well like, yeah i feel like i think because it, it comes from yeah. having to present your data very sharply yeah because if you don't explain something when you go to do a presentation and people don't get it within that first five minutes, then they're going to say, um, I don't know what your research is about. This is a problem. That's a problem. Da, 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 da. So, so you being have concise to be very concise. Your, yeah. So I feel like that translates over now you're in general public and you're just saying things direct to people. But it's even, <laughs> it's even interesting, the, uh, the the terminology that you're using, general public, like gen pop. Like, yeah. Like, so it's like, you know. <laughs> because like you, you start to feel very isolated and you start to realize that you're really in this like this different niche. Like yeah. you're in this subpopulation that's just like like it's, it's it's weird and um well what are some of the challenges you feel like as a woman of color you face working uh, in your industry because i know i yeah. can you know i understand definitely you know the how this how you working mm-hmm. in the scientists can you know kind of um affect the way that you are with the general population right. but in terms of you as a woman of color in the work in your workplace mm-hmm. What, you know, what are some of the challenges you face? Yeah, so the challenges, so when I was, you know, working at the pharmaceutical company prior, um, it wasn't that bad. I mean, the challenges was that, you know, you got to be prepared to know that you're not going to see a lot of people looking like you in Mm -hmm. there. So that's number one. But, you know, that's a given. 
So, you know, when you expect something, it's not that hard to deal with. So, you know, mostly you deal with the usual nonsense that I'm pretty sure most people of color deal with in any time they're in a place where they're clearly one out of two, three, mm-hmm. maybe five or so people like looking like themselves. You know, it's, it's the ignorance, you yeah. know, the, the stupid comments that people make, like, you know, mix you up with the other black girl. Yeah. Or, you know, sounds similar. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you, for instance, I didn't really have any issues too much with faculty or, you know, the other students, but admin back at St. John's, you know, you'd go into the office and it'd be like, you say, Hey, I need, uh, you know, the registration papers or, you know, whatever have you. Sometimes you walk in, they're just like ignoring you. Mm. Then somebody else would walk in. Oh, hi. How can I help you? And you're like, um, hi, you don't see me standing here first. Like we thought I was standing here for my health. They're like, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that you wanted something. Okay, yeah, sure. And then, like, you know, you ask for whatever, and they'd be like, oh, I think you're like, in the wrong place. Like, this is the graduate office. Right. And I'm a graduate student. <laughs> you know? And it's just stuff like that. And then, like, they'd be like, you know, okay, well, what do you need? And, you know, there's like, different packets of information for master's versus PhD. And, you know, so you're, you know, they're first going to reach for the, you know, the master's stuff. Cause you know, first of all, you couldn't even be in the graduate program. You had to be undergrad and confused and in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Now that you're actually a grad student, you could never be getting a PhD. You must just be getting a master's. Right. And then you'd be like, Oh no, I'm PhD. Uh, oh. Like, you know, like with the mm-hmm. crazy voice and you're sitting there like, seriously, and it would just be stuff like that. Like, you know, you'd be left off of emails, you know, people. Well, how many black um, people were in the PhD program? So there at the, when I joined, it was myself, um, another girl. She's I think she just finished mm-hmm. or maybe finishing in this like this semester. But um, it was myself, her. She was actually in the undergrad program as well. And um a guy, another guy, and yeah, there was two black guys and the two of us black females, and that was it for PhD. I think there were a couple, it was like a, one or two um, master's mm-hmm. students that were black, but as far as PhD, it was only the four of us. And how many people were in the PhD program overall? About 90-something. 90? Yeah. Like nine zero? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, so, maybe not the, well, between PhD and gra- and master's. But still. But PhD was, I think, still, you know, at least half of that. So, so we're dealing with at least people. 45, 50 students, right? And um, it, it, was, it was just ridiculous. Like, you know... And it would always be that kind of consistency because when I finished, like my last year, the, this new girl came and she joined my lab actually. And I think she kind of joined because I was in there. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I tried to like really help her and teach her stuff and like tell her things like, mm-hmm. listen, you know, you need to operate like this in terms of like, you know, get your work done now. Like, so she doesn't run into pitfalls that yeah. people usually run into. Um, don't, you know, talk too much with people about what you're doing. People are going to be haters. And that's whether you're black or any mm-hmm. color. Like people just, nobody wants to see anybody else. Yeah, the gunners are the them. gunners. And, you know, and at first she wasn't like, you know, really like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I told her about some of the racial stuff, but she was like, you know, kind of looking like, oh, like, you know, like, you know, people like to believe like it can't happen to them. Or yeah. It's like some personal problem you have. Like, I'm like, listen, I don't hold vendettas. I don't have any hatred in my heart. I'm not sitting up in here like somebody did me wrong. So I'm going to, you know, be angry for the rest of life and start telling other people this going to happen to you too. Like, mm-hmm. no, that I don't believe in that kind of mentality. And, but then recently she actually came to me and was like, oh my God, like, 
this thing happened to me with this professor. And then she's like, another black girl just joined. And all of a sudden, everyone's calling me her name. And I don't understand what's going on Mm -hmm. here. Like, I was here for a whole year. Everybody knew my name. Like, it's not like people didn't know her. And then all of a sudden, now somebody else shows up. And suddenly, you don't remember who I am. And you're mixing me up with them. Like, and I was like, yeah, that's that racist foolishness right there for you. (laughs) So it sounds like... You know, the office settings, whether it be in a science lab or whether it be on a corporate floor somewhere, it seems like the experiences with racism and whatnot is the same. Anytime a black person is someplace where they don't think we belong, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the same thing because, you know, like Trump was on, on TV saying... Their schools are horrible. Their neighborhoods are terrible. They don't have jobs. So people who are listening to that are thinking like, right, they are in an enclave someplace separate from where I am. So when they show up in a place and they see you there, it's like, well, this doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And if you're here, you must be here for nefarious purposes. Something is not right. Yeah. Because last time I checked, your schools were horrible. So how could you even have the education to be here? Yeah. You know, so it's like, or you know if it's a job you know last time i checked you folks don't have jobs mm-hmm. so what are you doing in this building mm-hmm. you know and if, if you are in the building you gotta be the janitor the security or the secretary yeah, you can't you can't be the phd candidate right you, you, can't, you can't be the you know the the head of the lab yeah you can't, you, you can't. and it's just it's really horrible so it's just it's, it's just really it's it's a yeah it's a difficult it's america thing. it's a, yeah it's america it's difficult but what I did like is, you know, when you talked about when the new girl came in, mm-hmm. you kind of took her under your wing in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the kind of mentorship that, you know, that especially in the, in the field where you're talking about 90 yeah. some odd students and like between two programs, not yeah. even 10. Yeah, because like, one of the things she was saying, she's like, but I don't understand. Like, why is it happening now? Like, why? I was fine last year. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was fine in undergrad and I was fine in my master's. It was, you know, that's the thing. Undergrad, they figure, ah, you know. We'll let them get back. We'll, we'll <laughs> let them get that. This is like, you know, the new high school diploma. Like, you know, yeah. that's how people kind of treat, you know, bachelor's degree nowadays. So it's like, okay, whatever. So they don't really care. You know, they figure you're not even going to finish. If you do, it's not mm-hmm. a big deal. But the you know, higher you move master's up. and yeah. PhD now, you know, master's, I was already halfway through by the time anybody even realized I was in there. <laughs> so if that was going to be a problem, it was too late. But yeah, definitely returning. And, you know, suddenly it's a problem. And the same people who helped you out when you were in undergrad, suddenly you're public enemy number one wow. and treating you the worst. Wow. And you're wondering, like, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. But the idea is, like, you see a lot of people will help you when they feel it's a pity party. Mm-hmm. When they feel like, you know, it's kind of like the people who like to give clothes to the homeless or, you know, a little bit of change. And they feel like they've done their part. And they, oh, my God, you know, it's, it's so terrible. They have mm-hmm. it so bad. And they're only being helpful out of a place of pity. Yeah. Versus that it's actually something where it's like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's the right thing to be helpful. You know, they're, they're helping you because they think you're so disadvantaged because, you know, our schools are so bad. Yeah. And our, you know, we have no jobs. You know, we have no fathers, et cetera, et cetera. So when they start to realize, like, wait a minute, I think I helped this person too much. They're getting too far. <laughs> you know, they're about to get the same degree as me. Like, this can't be. Now you're going to be direct competition Right. Now it's a problem. Now it's a problem. Yeah. And these are people you worked with as well. So they know your you know, your mm-hmm. intellect. They know your abilities. So if they identify that you are very talented in what you're doing, you're it's threat. definitely a threat. Yeah. Man, <laughs> the struggle is real. So I guess, 
you know, what I wanted to touch up on mm-hmm. before we end is you mentioned earlier that you have a website oh, and yeah. you have a social media that mm-hmm. is there to kind of educate yes. people about um, scientists, what you guys mm-hmm. actually do. And it's funny because I follow you on social media. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, I caught the science book. What is that? Like, how did you? So tell me real quick, how did you come up with the name? And for people who mm-hmm. are, you know, interested in, you know, following up, learning more about mm-hmm. what it is that you talk about, you know, exactly where can they find you? Okay. So um, I came up with the name, funny enough, like I actually just, because I originally was starting it on one platform and mm-hmm. ended up using another. And, but I went back to that platform for something else. And when I opened it, they had the old site that I was originally mm. setting up and it was previously titled simply simple science mm-hmm. and i was like what i don't even remember that i'm like oh that was actually a nice name simple science okay that's all. <laughs> like, how come i didn't stick with that i have no idea i can't remember but how aliquot the science spot came about was that i was thinking something like a daily dose i was trying to play off of you know mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals you know you know medicine science and you know all that stuff was already taken as far as domain names and so something similar to a dose is an aliquot. So aliquot is pretty much, um, so like if you take a a pie and divide it into equal portions, Mm -hmm. you know, everything has the same constituents, the same proportions of everything. So I wouldn't even necessarily say a pie, but like, you know, if you break like a cement block, Mm-hmm. into equal parts they all contain the same amount of everything okay. so that's what you would call aliquot so i was like okay that's like a dose similar to a dose because every pill has the same amount of that drug in the mm. same constituation so i was like okay aliquot so then i was like mm, okay but aliquot what you know because then i also was thinking the science spot but people had that okay so i was like oh aliquot the science spot that makes ah. it different so that's how that came about and um so yeah so it was originally a website where i would write um articles based on you know different things that i saw going on in the media so there was a lot of um misinformation that was out there a Mm -hmm. lot of like fear-mongering like people putting out things that weren't scientifically sound um and people would believe it Mm -hmm. you know things concerning gmo or vaccinations etc etc or just even just people just not understanding stuff like the difference between a flu and a cold Mm -hmm. or you know things like that and a lot of what was out there, I realized, was actually written by people that weren't scientists or doctors. Mm. So I was like, this is probably part of where some of the miscommunication yeah. is coming from. And, you know, you'd be reading an article and you're like, okay, that's right, that's right. And then all of a sudden you'd get this one paragraph. And I'm like, what the hell? That's Well, that's not quite that mm-hmm, so way. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. And the way it's written is going to be misleading and people are going to take the wrong thing from it. So that's what would happen. And then you'd have people running and saying stuff like, oh my God, this, this is unhealthy for you. This is and resharing the issue yeah. of resharing on Facebook. So now the it's ignorance all over. is all over the It's place. all over. Yeah. And then you'd say something and it'd be like, no, that's, that's no, no. I read it online. Okay, so my degrees just, you know, don't have any Listen, <laughs> your degree got nothing on Google, right? Right. <laughs> Yo, WebMD. So stuff like that. So I started, I was like, okay, it's enough to, you know, amongst my peers, people were like, yeah, it's just a problem. And everyone just laugh about it, you know? But I'm like, no, it's not enough to laugh at people and say, oh, they're dumb. They don't know all of the idiots. Like, no, that's, in, that's not right. Like, what you need to do is to use your education to educate people mm-hmm. and to spread the knowledge, not say, 
sit up there and get like, you know, elitist and start feeling like, you know, oh, look at the fools, you know, like mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. So I was like, you know, I'm going to, you know, break down this information in a way that lay people can understand mm-hmm. because really and truly the last time most of us have had any science was back in high school. Yeah. And, and that's a college, long, yeah. yeah and unless, possibly. Possibly. Because even some people may not have gone to college and some who have weren't majoring in anything mm-hmm. requiring a science. So that, you know, if they, if you didn't catch it in high school, it's gone, you know? So it's like somebody has to explain it to people and it's so much has happened too from since we were even in high mm-hmm. school so much advancement so it's like if somebody doesn't explain the new findings and even the rudimentary things to people like they're not gonna get it yeah so that's what i decided to do so i kind of um decided yeah i'll write about you know hot button topics so like i said gmos uh opioid addiction like that, yeah. you know i haven't really like written anything recently because you know i just graduated and you know i defended and you know did my pre-defense defense like everything was back to back a number of posts of presentations you know i'm looking for a postdoc position i was interviewing all this stuff so i really didn't have time but um there's a lot of content on there mm-hmm. there's a lot of content on there that people can catch up on and then as far as my instagram it's by the same name same handle let's spell it out please so <laughs> aliquot so a l i q u o t the science spot. All right. And um, there is kind of like a visual arm mm-hmm. to the site um, where you can see there's pictures of things in the lab, pictures of cells, you know, some pictures of me because, you know, people like to see people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, definitely read the captions beneath. We'll give a little bit more information and just, you know, kind of just to see what happens in the lab a little bit of the PhD journey and also just a little bit of, you know, just all around what it's like to be a scientist and, you know, what a scientist looks like, like, Hey, this is me. I'm here. I'm real. Okay. And so what, now that you have your PhD, mm-hmm. what, is there a specific area, um, in science that you're wanting to focus your yes. research on? Yes. I definitely want to focus my research on immunology because the work that I was doing, I was actually looking at lead toxicity in what was to be the macrophage cells, which are immune cells. They're your white blood cells mm-hmm. that eat all the bad stuff in the brain, the ones that are resident to the brain, which are called microglia. So I was supposed to be investigating lead toxicity on microglia because everyone knows lead is harmful. Mm-hmm. And But mostly, you know, we know about the neuronal damage, the brain damage from the neurons. Yeah. But, you know, there's other cells in the brain besides neurons. So we wanted to investigate, you know, how lead might be affecting those cells and what role they might play in, you know, the pathology of, you know, lead toxicity. So... Being that they're macrophage, white blood cells, they're not, you know, they're a subtype, you know, mm-hmm. but this could affect your whole body. And that's what I kind of found that the the lead, the impact lead was having on these cell types was, you know, it was whether it's bone marrow cells. So, you know, macrophage mm-hmm. from your bone marrow, which are, you know, inside your bone or if it was just within your blood, you know, the resident ones in tissue, it was the same, same outcome. So it became less of a neuro, a neurotoxicology mm-hmm. situation and less of a osteotoxicology, you know, like a bone mm-hmm. toxicology situation. It became more of strictly immune related. So that's kind of where I really got interested in saying, yeah, you know, I want to stick with this because there really wasn't actually a lot of people kind of in that level of research, just focusing primarily on like macrophage and dendritic cells and those cells of the immune system. So that's what I want to stick with. So I've been very um, specific about the labs that I've been 
um, applying to or looking into and it's a little daunting. I have some leads. I went on a couple interviews, but, um, you know, it kind of narrows things down, makes it a little tougher to get in someplace. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm actually working on a project idea to pitch, you know, the PI was like, okay, you know, come up with an idea with, you know, these cells and graft versus host disease and, you know, pitch it to me and, you know, I'll bring you in, we'll do the formal interview. I'll look and see if I could find some money to hire a postdoc and, you know, and stuff like that. Cause you know, in science it's all about the funding and people kind of, you know, Oh, why does everything cost so much money? The pharmaceuticals are this. Listen, we had a $600 a week budget at St. John's to buy supplies to do research. And I'm telling you right now, at one point it finally went up to 700. You could buy one kit sometimes it's 550 or the full six or $700. Wow. Right. And that's to do a handful of experiments. So just to put it in context, when people wonder why things are so expensive and you know, you're, you're spending more money throughout the whole year on this research, then, you know, you're, someone might be getting in a stipend or anything, you know, this is the, when I was working at, you know, the pharmaceutical company I was working at, I remember I was working with a compound one time that it was like four times my, my annual salary. And that was a compound I was using for two or three days. Wow. You know, they have equipment in there that's weight, you know, same thing, four times your annual salary. And, you know, you, you kind of start feeling really small <laughs> and insignificant. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's all about the funding and the money and, you know, the, and that's kind of a rate limiting factor with the research as well. When people would be like, you know, when are you graduating? When, when, is, when is this project going to be done? Like, hey, if I can't buy this kit, I can't do any work. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot yeah. involved. It's a lot. Okay. Well, I feel like I learned a lot more about the process. I mean, yeah. I've always been into like science since I was a kid. So, yeah. I, you know, I was able to catch on um, to a lot of the things that you were saying. But I find that a lot of people, I think, hopefully will have a better understanding I hope so. of science, of science, scientists and what the process actually mm-hmm. entails. Because I do hear, you know, I have friends who are in various PhD programs yeah. and everybody wants to know when are you going to be done? They don't understand like everything yeah. that goes behind it. But it's also good to really um see that i mean not good it's bad but we are all in the same, same fight whether fight, we're yeah. in yeah you know, like I said, the corporate office what, the lab right. the same and this thing. is what i tell people because people were like you know i do a couple of um career days and stuff there was two schools that i did career days um presentations at mm-hmm. in two two years in a row and um they would have the kids ask you um you know like if you didn't become a scientist like you know what else would you have become and i'm like you know there's a plethora of things i could have become because i'm pretty good at a lot of things and I'm like, but whatever it would have been, it would have been to the same extent. Because if yeah. I decided to become a chef, like, best believe I'm looking to own a restaurant. Yeah. You know, exactly. I'm looking to be a top chef. The ambition is always there. The regardless. ambition is the same. If I decided to write, even go into fashion, best believe I'm going to be, you know, the fashion to the stars yeah. or like, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to take it to the highest yeah. extent. So it's like, I feel, so I'll try to drive that to them. Like, you know, it's not about being a particular title it's about you know my mom used to say to us when we were younger if you're gonna do something do it right or Mm -hmm. don't do it at all yeah no it's true right it's true all right well dr stacy i'm gonna start calling you doctor now (laughs) although you know i might go back and forth because i knew you before but you know sometimes you have to put it out there so that the others who didn't know you you can't just call me stacy anyway they call me dr (laughs) stacy thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for having me of course and sharing a little bit about your background and also give you know dropping the explaining aliquot the science Science spot spot, giving us your social media now are people free to dm you yeah i always welcome people you can write questions in 
just the comment area or you can DM me. People have been DMing me. I, you know, asking for, you know, advice, help, you know, even just yeah. on topics. I mean, you're like yeah, the resident uh, scientist now for the yeah. community because we don't know many. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> so. like I go into the 7-Eleven around my way and they're always asking me questions like, you know, I got this cramp in my leg. You know, this is going on. And <laughs> But it's cool. I like it. I welcome it because, you know, that's the whole point is to help people. Exactly. And like you were saying before, you have the education. So it's, right. your, it's your duty in a sense yeah. to educate those who don't know. Exactly. Right? All right. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning into another episode of Frida's World. You can find me on Instagram as always, Frida, Frida's World, F-R-E-E-D-A-S underscore world. You could slide up in my DM, ask me any questions. And if, if you want to know a little bit more about us, Dr. Stacey and you couldn't get the name for whatever reason, you could definitely ask me questions. I have no problem with that. Don't forget to check out the website, www.fridasworld.com, just so you can see what some of the latest happenings are. And with that being said, it's a wrap, everyone. It's Frida's world. What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.